you saved my life. I'm on the road. I was on the road every night with a band. There was no future. I was getting older with a lot of commitments. And quite honestly, if you hadn't come along in '84 with Terminal Three, Linda, I got. I'm going to clarify this in your head. I gave you a song. I gave you a really good song, and I knew it had a great chance of winning. Mm. I, I knew this. I said it to you at the time that I think we could win the Eurovision with this song. But I didn't sing it. You sang it. Hi, I'm Linda Martin, and this series of Dog Almighty is brought to you by Tesco. So for a happy and healthy pet, shop online or in store at the Tesco Pet Shop. Today, I'm catching up with a very, very close friend called Johnny Logan, and he's going to be talking all things Eurovision, obviously, but he's also going to be talking about his brother, Mick, who died just a few months ago, and Johnny's dealing with the grieving process. So just listen up. Today, I have the honour of sitting down with one of my bestest friends, my saviour, a true icon in the world of music, a man whose voice has echoed across continents and in my ears, and whose name is synonymous with Eurovision success. Please join me in welcoming the one and only Johnny Logan. Lonnie Jogan. Lonnie Jogan. You know, we were we were chatting away there and I did see you over Christmas, obviously, yeah. because you came into the, the pantomime. pantomime. And you were saying that the last panto you saw was with Maureen Potter. No, I was in the pantomime. You were in it. I was in, I was the, uh, the woodcutter in... Uh, <laughs> And what was it in Red Riding Hood? Oh God! I was awful. I was never. I was never cut out to do uh, any, you know, like pantomimes or musicals. Even though I did them, because I never had the discipline to, you know, like sort of to go on stage every night and do the same show. And I used to get bored really, really quickly. All right. sort of, so it was. But um, I loved working with Maureen. You know, this is, and uh, I always remember, um, she'd be standing on the side of the stage, and she used to memorize. All of the people's names, you know, all the yeah, you know, yeah, all these people yeah. celebrating birthdays and mm-hmm. these things, and she just uh, she'd come on without a piece of paper. She'd she'd have them. She'd have photographic memory, and she'd come on and she'd rattle off all the names. Wow! And wow. she like said, but she was um, she was a great person to learn from, mm. you know. Um, and uh, she was kind of like a mother hen to me. To be yeah. honest, she was really lovely. I love yeah. her. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. I can remember going back to that era, you in a loincloth. And nothing else. This is that's going. You're going back to Adam and Eve. Uh, no, I'm going back to Joseph out in in Goffs. Do you oh remember? God, yeah, God, that's that's that was oh. Joseph. I remember. Yeah. This is. I was the only. Um, all the brothers were gay. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only straight one in the. Just. I remember that. Like sort of. And, and um, <laughs> I remember. Um, the front of the, when you mentioned the loincloth, yeah, first uh, musical yeah. I came into, I'd been working as a bill as an apprentice electrician in Narber Hill. Oh God! And um, you know, like I'd come off building sites, and I, Alan D had written a musical called Adam and Eve, and Colin Wilkinson was playing the devil in it. Wow! So that's and I'd seen Colin as Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar, and I really want. I was very moved by his performance, yeah. and I really wanted to work with him. So I I did it, and but I went from being on a building site, you know, carrying toolboxes and yeah, yeah. to wearing a chamois leather cloth, which had a velcro <laughs> on the side of it, and a, a green swimsuit, which Bella Knox, if you remember Bella, I do, in the theatre, Bella who was in charge of wardrobe, Bella had filed down a big plastic leaf, and put it on the front of the costume, to, which was supposed to represent <laughs> Adam and Eve, but it was never quite, never quite uh, filed down enough, and I ended up walking like John Wayne. 
Yeah, I remember that night, um, Johnny. I'll ha- I'll be calling you Johnny for the rest of this interview because okay. I, I I know you're Sean, yeah. obviously. But um, for the benefit of the listeners, they're going to say who who's she talking to? So I yeah, keep yeah. it Johnny. But I remember one of the nights we all went. So it was Louis Walsh, myself, God knows who else, and your brother <sighs> Mick had a car. So we my all mother's sque- Audi probably. It probably it was a big or, car, yeah, and we that? all squeezed in. Yeah, that was there was no such thing as a seat belt or a, a little bit of personal no, space. Was... We were in, and away we went down that nice dual carriageway like a bat out of hell. And yeah. honest to God, just great memories though, Jeez, great man. memories. I says, well, if that's if that's the only memory you got to make, you cut off lightly. There's a lot of memories of Mick people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So take me back if you can remember this. Of course, I do. But um, let's see. Um, where did we first meet? I think we met, uh, like I said, I actually, you probably don't remember this, but I think you were playing in a gig. It was either in, uh, it was somewhere in Kerry. It was either, I think it was Kerry. And uh, I came to see the band. I came to watch the band and I came okay. and said hello after the gig. And uh, back in that day, I think it was Nicola Kerr. Yeah, Kerr yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the other singer. And uh, the two of you, like sort of, um, were the the singers with the band, and it's just, and then as I um and when Louis took over my mm-hmm. management, mm-hmm. I got to meet you through Louis in That's the right. in the office in uh, in Hart was it Hart, Harcourt Street, Hawkins Street, Hawkins Street, Hawkins Street. Yeah, yeah, that's God like that. And yes. then uh, and you were I always remember like chips were uh, Louis's main thing. <laughs> I I always knew that whatever happened, chips were going to be looked after first and then I did. Uh, no, no, but that might have been for a little while. But oh no, that was for a long time. <laughs> do you know, do you know when I remember us meeting um, in the Bailey in Dublin? Oh God, that, was, that the Bailey was the pub in those yes. days. Yes, and I can the, remember you sitting there and we're chatting away and we're meeting up and doing all the usual yeah, things. Yeah, the, the Bailey was like the pub that all, the, you know, the Bailey and the Brussels. Yes, both of those, like sort of, were the places mm. people used to meet in, and um, it's I mean, it's changed a lot now. I think, like, if you go sure. to the Bailey now, it's not the Bailey that it was back back no. then, because like sort of those days, all the musicians would gather, especially on a Monday night. That's right. Because we'd finish on a Sunday, mm. and if you were cl- playing close enough, you'd get back in time. If not, mm. you'd go up to. Uh, up to oh, was it Susie Street or something? Oh, somewhere like that. And like sort of this. Sort I know. Of go and have your drinks up there yes. and your sandwich, your toasted yeah. sandwich. And fall home at six o'clock in the morning. If you were lucky, yeah. You know, I, I many's the time I went down to the uh, the the flower market, and like sort of just with the um, with the people working on the buses, they'd be coming in and I'd right. my my pint of beer and like sort of a toasted cheese sandwich and a bunch of flowers <laughs> just to take home to, to apologise to it in the for being out for being out all night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh so God! You'd walk in. You say, "Where have you been? <laughs> Why didn't you pay the ransom?" <laughs> you know, like I said, I'd just been kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Show t- 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 me this, Johnny. Um, as you were all growing up, and I know who I know your family and everything. Was there ever a dog in your house? When we were kids, yeah, my my parents had it. There was a we had a black um a um, mongrel. Okay, fifty two. We used to call her Heinz fifty two. Yeah, fifty two different varieties. But uh, her name was Susie. Okay, the black dog and. Um, we loved her. Like I said, she's mm. in, she was legendary in the mm. family. And then afterwards, when we went to Drada, we had another dog there. We called it Hendrix. And okay. Hendrix, uh, Hendrix used to sit down at the uh, at, uh, at the river. 
and jump and don't jump try try and catch the seagulls. He just <laughs> jump off the wall and miss the seagull and land in the water and Straight come back out, out. The water. and okay. then back out again. Okay, yeah. um, for people who don't know, your dad used to have a pub in Drogheda. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, sorry, I forget we're talking this because we yeah, know yeah. each other so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever work in it? I worked from the time I was uh, twelve years old. Wow. I used to like sort of. Um, Mick, oh Mick, Mick went management. You know, Mick used to oh, dress in a white suit. Oh and right, okay. He'd be going out with his girlfriend, this sort of thing, and he'd be all dressed up and yeah. go to my father and say, "Like everything's done. Like sort of, I'm, oh, the money's done, the counter done, this sort of thing. I'm heading off. It's all clean downstairs, and I would still be downstairs cleaning the toilets and all right. this sort of stuff. Okay, and okay. that was very much Mick in those days. Okay. But uh, did that? I don't think that ever changed with me. No, did not it? really. No, this is no. Um, but he was a. Uh, um, I didn't. I, I told my father fairly earlier on I didn't want the pub and I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for me. Right. Whereas Mick wanted it, you know, like for, as a business. Okay. I didn't want it at all. And uh, my father always respected me for that. Mm. I think, uh, and I worked probably the hardest at it yeah. for him because my dad had rheumatoid arthritis. And, right. You know, and I saw the business was really affecting him and my mm. mm. But, um, you know, t- to be honest, we grew up in a very, very strange family where... Um, you know, most people, most kids as they grow up have an idea what they want to do, mm. you know, even from a career point of view. They've got goals and they've got like sort of ambitions. To me, every day just, you know, there was the next day, whatever comes. Mm. And I never had an idea what I wanted. I mean, even music I drifted into. How? How? Well, the honest truth, the first time I found out I could sing was it was in the loft. I don't know, we had a place in Stockwell Street. On you know, uh, you know, uh, West Street and Drada where the pub was. Yes. Opposite, there was a little road on the side okay. called Stockwell Street, and we had a place called the Loft. Right. And we had a Christmas party there one year, and everybody was doing their turn, and my and they, the staff said, "Your turn, Sean, sing." You know, whatever. Sean being Johnny. Yeah. And I sang uh, "Edelweiss" from the Sound of Music. <laughs> And I remember looking at my father and his mouth was just open. He was going, where did this come from? And it was, I think everybody was quite shocked. You know, they looked yeah. sort of, and then, um, then I, I remember being in Scaries and I'd, I'd started learning the guitar and I was incredibly shy, really, really shy. And um, uh, Des Cullen, who was... Um, my uh, the brother of my brother-in-law, right, Vincent. I like, said sort of this, my Marion, Marion, Marion's ex-husband, yeah. um, and from uh, like sort of uh, Des, they had a kind of a, a, a folk session, right, doing all America, you know, yeah, born, yeah, 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 horse with no name, all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff, and he handed me the guitar. He said, "I heard you can sing." And Ailish was sitting beside me. And, you know, Ailish, she's very, you know, she's not from the show business. No, 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 and definitely in the, and like we were just. Uh, 16, 17 years old, and um, I started playing father and son. Okay. And I, played, I sang the father's son down in the key, you know, mm-hmm. see, sang it down. But when I hit the father, the, the son's part, I sang really loudly, and the, the place was really noisy, and it went dead silent. And Ailish, you know, like, uh, first of all, I think she was in shock, uh-huh. and then she started hitting me on the leg, saying, Sean, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I got because I, I had the eyes closed as yeah, usual, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. belting it out, and I hadn't realised, and I got such a shock I stopped singing and I gave okay. them back the guitar because okay. I was so embarrassed. But yeah, everybody yeah, was yeah, looking yeah, at me, yeah. but the thing was, the realisation was that uh, from a situation where everybody was really loud and talking, suddenly it was dead silent, and these were strangers; these weren't friends, you know, and things like sort of. So I obviously had something, and then to be honest. And I don't mean this with an, an e- with with a big ego or whatever. 
and but it is true that whenever I sang, I was good at it. Hmm. I was a good singer, like sort of. And the thing is, uh, my ambition, luckily enough, growing up in the time of you and mm-hmm. people like and the people we grew up with, yes, yeah. Bill Linton and all of these, was I wanted to be the best that I could be. Mm. I didn't think about being famous or anything like mm. this. I was trying to make a, I was just trying to make a living. Yeah, yeah. Trying to pay the rent and all mm. these sort of things because I was working as an electrician during yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And playing in Irish pubs and everything else at, at night, you know, like sort of. But, um, you know, like sort of this, the, the thing that I learned from that was, uh, the, you know, like sort of fame isn't the, uh, isn't the end of the journey. The journey is actually the music itself mm. and what you do with it. Uh, the fame comes and goes, mm. and you know this as well. Sometimes you're more, sometimes you're famous, sometimes you're not. Sometimes mm. you know, like sort of, you're more famous than others. But I can live without fame, mm. you know. But I can't live without music. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I got all. No, I, I get that, and and obviously, um, you got the voice from your father because yeah. he was a tremendous singer. Well, that's that was the thing when I was singing in the pub. Yeah. I sang Edelweiss. My dad was kind of like, uh, and he took me. <laughs> he took me to Derry to the uh, the woman who taught him. And you know, like, and he had me sing for her. Yes. And she started crying because, like, sort oh of, that, you know, because she said you sound exactly like your father when he was your age. But yeah, I never yeah. took lessons. Dad, yeah. Dad studied. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, he, he did. He was a trained yeah. singer, whereas, a, like, I just drank my way through it. You know? <laughs> um, Danny Boy was the party piece for both of you. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. That was there was a there was one moment that's kind of that I didn't you know like Danny Boy was like what well, just a sign. I remember with Colin Tully. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yes, yes, of course. Colin's gone now. You know that as well. I didn't. Colin died last year. Oh God, I didn't know the, that. The beginning of la- the beginning of last year, I think it was, and um, stage four or five cancer. I oh, think. sugar, sugar. And um, God, like, don't bring the bring the yeah, thing yeah, down. Yeah, but like, yeah, so yeah. Colin's gone and Shay's gone. Mm. And uh, I think um, I I used to sing Danny Boy when we were in Paris. Right. I remember doing a TV show with Johnny Holiday. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Renault yeah. show and singing um, Danny Boy on that. And it was it was you know my party piece for mm. a long time, but I think the the time that meant the most to me I have on video, but I've never really been able to watch it. Was uh, I was singing in Australia in uh, the surface part in uh, it was Seagulls Casino, mm-hmm. and my dad had come to the gig and right. he was in a wheelchair, and I sang, started singing Danny Boy and I got off the stage and went down to him, and gave him the microphone and. Halfway through it, he broke down. Oh, you cool. know, sort of, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And I've never really been able to sing it properly oh, since right. then. Okay, no. okay. Now, you just mentioned Colin uh, Tully passed away. Um, Mick, who I've known as long as I've known you, your your Probably brother. Probably knew him sometimes better than I did. Well, yeah, yeah we could we could. You saw say the that. darker side oh, of him sometimes. Jesus, no, so I, I, I just remember he was such a character. He was. But, yeah. but for what happened to him? Now I know he hadn't been well. No. Into hospital and then COVID. <laughs> well, Mick lived the rock and roll life. Yes, he did. You know, Mick, Mick, Mick had decided this is how he wanted to live and how he wanted to die. Yeah. And, um, you know, like sort of, it's very fresh still with me, so yeah. forgive me. Let, me, let me go back. I said the wrong name there. Colin Tully. Was Colin it? Tully, yeah. Colin Tully, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, no, uh, Johnny, go on. No, no, but um, Mick, uh, Mick uh, like sort of, um, had bit by bit, Bits of him were falling apart. And he'd he'd hurt his back. He'd hurt his yeah, leg. That's right. And he yeah. was starting to travel through um, airports in a wheelchair. Okay. To do gigs and things like this, which we all thought was very funny. But the band all loved him. Nobody wanted him to yeah. stop because he'd have everybody in hysterics when we were on stage. He was always slagging me. Yeah. Me, but yeah. I would be the the brunt of most of it at the front. But Mick would say, in a very funny way, what everybody was thinking. Mm. And most of it cannot be repeated. Um, yeah, but, okay. uh, but um he'd uh, bit by bit his health went down and um 
until he was kind of isolated in Manchester in his apartment. And he was still going out for a drink across mm-hmm. the road and like sort of meeting his friends there for drinks and that. But uh, um, I don't think it's any secret to say that Mick drank too much. Mm. You know, like sort of okay. this is, I stopped 18 years ago. You did. That's where we both, the the, uh, the lines parted. Mm. But um, Mick, uh, Mick never lost that kind of, that time, you know, there was a, type of character that came up around the same time as Phil and all this. Mm-hmm. Mick was one of them and he right. never lost that. And he always had that great sense of humour about yeah. it. But he was in the car, he was going to the, he'd hurt his wrist, he'd fallen over in the room or something. And Chloe, his eldest daughter, mm. was taking him to the hospital and he had a heart attack in the hos- in the car. Right. And she gave him CPR, kept him alive. But uh, they kept him in a coma for a while. And very, very typical of Mick at the time. Um you know, we were in the hospital. I went over to Manchester, and I was in stayed in Manchester to be near. Him. And uh, I decided that one day there was a priest came in, mm. and uh, I said, "Like, said, will you say some?" Pr-? You know, he said, "Will I say some prayers for him?" And I said, "Yep, yeah. would you say some prayers?" And the next day, a nun came in and did it, and sure enough, me came out of the coma. But before this, I had told him about a family member who had been who was. A bit self-righteous, if you and that, right. that's being yeah, modest. Yeah, yeah. Who had been bitten by an, by a demon during an exorcist on the elbow, and um, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Wait a minute, I lost that a no, bit. Just, there. This is that I had been told. A family member had told me about another family member, right? Not a direct family member, somebody who was married into. Okay, family, yeah. Who had religious aspirations and who had been involved in an exorcist right. and had been bitten on the elbow by a oh, demon. Geez. And so when Mick came out of the coma, the first thing I said to him, he says, I said, look, I had a priest pray for you and a nun. I should tell you that now because yeah. Mick wouldn't have been the real, most religious no, person in the world. No, no, no. And uh, <laughs> his first words to me after coming in the coma, so that's where the teeth mark came in me arse. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a direct reference to this. And that would have been Mick, you know, and so this... Um, I think, you know, like sort of this, with the image that I had of the white suit from the mm. Eurovision, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the life that I had with Mick, they mm. were two contrasting, totally, Absolute. totally different Absolutely. Um, images. You know, it was very hard. Because in one sense, I suppose, with that image, really, I was living a, like a living a lie. You know, mm. but I wasn't really that person that, yeah. you know, I was the person that every mother wanted to introduce to, to their, their daughter, daughter until the daughter <laughs> became <laughs> but, um, I, I won't say any more about that no right? let's yeah. let's move let's go back go to Eurovision now um, possibly you you, uh, you think the same thing as me about Eurovision today now Give, give it, and give me the truth. Me, Don't be sugar. I don't know. No, I'm not going to. I, I, I have given up doing that. You know, I, yeah, the reality of it is that um, my um, my feeling about the Eurovision is, I always thought that the orchestra did it brought a whole lot of dignity yes, and all this sort of yes. thing and a sense of occasion to it. Um, <clears throat> I've never understood why all the money is invested in graphics, computer graphics, and um, that, that there can't be a certain amount of budget given to an orchestra. For anybody who wants to use them, mm. you don't—you're not forced to use them, but mm-hmm. they should be there. I agree because uh, it, it it enhances certain songs. But I think that uh, for me, what happened with the Eurovision is sim- is symptomatic of what's happened with the music industry. It morphed from the business that I grew up in, 
where you could actually make a living in it and everything mm-hmm. else, into what it is today, which is X Factor, pop stars, all of these things. And what happened with the Eurovision is it's morphed into a European version of that mm. because uh, it's still a huge, huge TV show, huge thing to win. But um, the business doesn't exist. When we won it, the newspapers all turned up and the record companies were there That's and right. uh, there were well-known singers taking part in mm-hmm. it as well. And um, the thing is that nowadays... Uh, record companies don't like sort of they have no real interest you know unless first of all you know like they produce they they do they pay for the album themselves they normally tell a lot of the younger artists that join you're not going to make to join a a company you're not going to make any money out of the the records you'll make it from your live Mm -hmm. gigs and now what they've started to do is look for 360 deals where they make money out of the the, Mm. uh, artist from his live work you know from his promotion from his marketing from everything 50% from this and all these kind of things it's gone it's uh, they've gone as far as they can well, maybe not. I might be speaking too soon. Towards destroying the business. Yeah. Destroy the business. I'm talking about yes. not music. The business. Mm. They'll never destroy music because people. I used to think that people that music was a luxury. Mm. That uh, you know, like sort of people would buy food and they'd buy, pay their rent and all mm-hmm. these things first because that was the logical thought. And music was something that yeah, if you had a few extra bob, you spent it on the right. music. I'm wrong. I was I was wrong. I realized that in losing Mick. I realise that in losing the people that I've lost lost over the years. Music welcomes us into the world. Mm. Music is the backdrop of our lives. Mm. People have songs that they associate moments in their life mm-hmm. with that are very important to them. And when you say goodbye to people, people, music is the backdrop of that as well. Music is like sort of, is foundational in our mm. lives and it's it's necessary mm. as human beings for us emotionally to have. Yeah. So it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Mm. But I do think that... Uh, I, I feel that uh, an awful lot of the work of people has gone out of music. Like mm. you know, you used to as a songwriter, you had to work really hard on text. Mm. You you know, lyrics were very important. With Why Me, mm-hmm. you know that the, when I wrote Why Me, I remember crying listening to it afterwards in on in uh, Frank McNamara's studio. Yeah. when Frank put the just a piano vocal track, because it said exactly what I wanted. It was pictures. Mm. You know, each line was a. You know, sometimes I watch you passing by my window. Yeah, that you know, like it was. There was an image mm. that went with each thing, and then there was a statement, "Why me?" You know, yeah. which was a powerful thing that they had. And I think that, uh, you know, like sort of, it does. It still exists. People like Adele still have things like mm-hmm. this, and you know, like, and there are artists around, particularly um, the in more independent India artists that are doing mm. stuff like this. But pop songs in general are just. You know, there's a hook and that's it. And it's like sort of, um, and uh, you know, like sort of, uh, it's it's almost embarrassing sometimes mm. to listen to the text yeah, it of is. songs. It is. And, um, you know, it, it's and it's very judgmental for me to say this, but like, you know, you asked how I feel. This is, mm. And I feel the same thing about the Eurovision. I think whatever, when it was always like with the Eurovision that um, a song wins mm. and the next year, there's ten, 10 of the songs that's are right. the same as the one that you won that's last right. year. That's right. Because they think there's a formula. Yeah. Well, when I did Why Me for you that year, um, I I tried to write another song. Louis had called me and asked me yeah. about writing the song. Yeah. And I just, and everything that I wrote sounded very contrived and sounded like it was formulated to win the Eurovision. Yes, yeah. So I went back to Why Me, which mm-hmm. is a song I wrote for me mm. and then adapted it to you, you mm-hmm. know, for you. 
like sort of you know by changing the line keep on wondering why I'm such a lucky guy to yeah, yeah, my yeah. love shines in your eyes and the thing was it was um, you know like I, I found that uh, I find an awful lot of the stuff even that goes into the Eurovision um, bland mm. and it's not you know like sort of and the, you know like and I, I I'm so sick of hearing people here in Ireland um, talking about the Eurovision like they know the Eurovision Every year, the National Song Contest, which is an embarrassment, gets, uh, you know, like we get the song chosen or whatever. So I'm, it's not Michael Keeley's fault. No, it's I, not. I love not Michael. I think he does a fine it's, job. Yeah, it's not his fault, I should say. It's an embarrassment because of the, you know, I went, the first thing I did when I came into your studio, I know I digress and go on to something else. When I came into the pantomime, was yes. I looked at the thing, why don't they do the, the National Song just in, from here? Yeah. Nice small theatre, like sort of just at exactly. least give it its own theatre and its yes. own focus. Don't be putting it on as a guest spot on the on the yeah, which is place. is going to happen again this year. Well, it's 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 embarrassing. I mean, it is embarrassing it's considering, embarrassing. and you know this better than anybody. Considering what Sweden do, they have well, a quarter final, semi final. Uh, well, there's, there's a rumor. There's a rumor now about me that I might be involved with the one next this year. Next year. This excellent, year. excellent. Um, but like I said, this is so, and I have been the guest on the national song contest yes. in. in in Sweden, and I know That's exactly right. what you mean. There's th- seven, eight thousand people turn yeah. up with them, and they make money. <coughs> TV yeah. company make money. But the thing is that even you know, even about them making money, the thing is that the whole country has an interest in yes. the Eurovision. Yeah, it's 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 not lost here, but it's like on the back on the back burner. That's right. But the thing is that uh, uh, look, sort of go back to the. Um, well, God, well, God, look, sort of because I, when I started talking about the song yeah. contest, I got caught away in that. Going back to the um, the Eurovision and this sort of thing. The um, when I when I look at the Eurovision that I was involved with, and the one that's there at the moment, mm. or the National Song Contest even that I was involved mm-hmm. with, to the one that's there now, there is no comparison. No, there's not. And and a lot of the, you know, um, a lot of this when you won the Eurovision in in 1980, 87, and it's still in ninety two, mm-hmm. um, you stayed in the pe- press. For you months, did. you did. Nowadays, social media is such that you disappear after three days. Mm. You better get your yeah, yeah, yeah. You better have everything planned to go before you win, you know. And pr- on the on the mm-hmm. off chance, then you win because you're not going to get a chance afterwards. And I think, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm just getting too old for it. Maybe yeah, I'm just no, the thing no, is that it's no, just no. it doesn't. Um, I don't. I don't mean to be disrespectful to um, to young, you know, pop writers mm. and things like this, but you know, when I listen to the lyrics of things like. Uh, Stairway to Heaven or Freddie Mercury's Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, or you can go way, way back to, you know, Emerson Lake, you know, mm. uh, not Neil, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Yeah, Young, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these, you know, mm. like sort of, and th- how deep the lyrics were and or like sort of how great they mm. were. And then, you know, like sort of, even to, from a folk point of view, Cat Stevens, oh. David Clayton Thomas, people like this, you know, like, and Jesus, then. I love David Clayton Thomas. From, uh, I love that voice. Yeah, they could, he did a solo album. And there was a lovely song on it called Friday the 13th Child. Yeah. Um, Mother Night, Friday the 13th Child. Mother nearly died in pain and another day over your shoulder. Because he was the singer with... um, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Blood, Sweat and Tears, yeah. Oh, I I still adore his voice. And Cat Stevens, I still love his songs. Just geniuses. But do, do, do you know something? You saved my life. And I've said this to many people, and you know I've said it. Um... I'm on the road. I was on the road every night with a band. There was no future. I was getting older with a lot of commitments. And quite honestly, if you no, hadn't come along in '84 with Terminal Three, no, Linda, I got. I'm going to clarify this in your head. 
I gave you a song. I gave you a really good song and I knew it had a great chance of winning. Mm. I, I knew this. I said it to you at the time that I think we could win the Eurovision with this song. But I didn't sing it. You sang it. You presented it and you performed. You should take, you know, like there's too many people in this country that are willing <laughs> to not give you credit. So you should take your own credit for this. What And the thing is that you made sure that, you know, like you were always, always one of the most professional people I've met from the point of view. If you gave you a song, anybody, Tony Hatch, all the people that I know that worked mm. with you, they all knew that you delivered that song mm. and, it, you know, and, and a consistency with it. Mm. That's a professional that's not a somebody who's playing the game of music. Yeah. And I think that what's uh, that's that's the problem with people with a lot of the people that are doing it now that they don't I, I played in traditional Irish pubs. I played mm. in the, you did. the Bailey, I, not the Bailey, I, uh, like sort of uh, the Bag It In. Mm. I played in the, the Lower Deck. I played before. Yes. Uh, Finbar Fury used to Finbar, I used to love being with Finbar when the band's boy played in the Wexford. Finbar would always take me aside afterwards and recite poetry to me for it, a half I an hour I love him, actually. He's a great character. Yeah. But you know, we served our apprenticeships, that's you see. That's the it, thing. You know. And the, these kids these days, there's no cabarets, there's no variety on TV. And you can't blame them for that. No. Just, you know, this is just there's the way no the business the has There's no tops of the town. Gone. And the amateur dramatic societies are closing up left, right and centre because the, the finances to put on their shows. But that's where we learned our trade. Yeah. You cannot come into... I mean, I couldn't become a plumber tomorrow, for instance. No. I'd have to serve an apprenticeship. No, but you so mean, you can't do it in our like business. In the show band days when you had to go around yes. and, you know, like you did Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Thursday if you were lucky. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Big nights or whatever. And, you know, like uh, you gig, but you had to deliver you because had. the next night you'd want that gig back in a mm-hmm. month's time because Ireland was a country of three and yeah. a half million people and if you didn't smile and you'd lost your gig and if you lost your gig you know look this is you have no you have no you have no saxophone player no female singer and you won't be back you won't be back you won't be back yeah. oh stop but now let me ask you something um, I know you had Irish managers then uh, John Sol John Salter I had, I had Irish mismanagers yes and then I knew John as well but for the last number what, about 15 you, years you, how long has, has uh, Tanya been managed you know. Tanya's about 20, over 20 years. Yeah. Longer than John. Yeah. But you know, to just, just went on the thing of managers that I've always, like, it's it's something that bothered me as I got older. Yeah. Nobody, you know, like back in 1980, Steve mm. Anderson, who used to, who managed ABBA. Yes. Wanted to take over my management. And you said no. No. Nobody ever told me. Oh. Nobody from the office even told me that Steve was interested. Right. They just said no. Because they all felt they could do it. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, the people I'm talking about, you know, but I'm not yes. going to no, no. badmouth anybody at this sort of mm-hmm. at this point. But I've always thought, if I hadn't been put with Stig, maybe my life would have gone a completely different way. I'm not complaining about the life. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm still having yeah. hit records, and I'm still like sort of tra- yeah. traveling all over Europe, mm-hmm. and I'm selling out everywhere I work at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, well, I, I loved, uh, t- I love Tanya. Oh, and I love, does. I love the fact that her unless, father... Unless you're on the wrong side. Yes. Okay. Didn't her father play in James' last orchestra? Over 50 years. There you the go. Trombone yeah, yeah, yeah. Detlef. Yeah. Detlef is great because like Detlef is... Uh, he's done a couple of arrangements for Is me, he still alive? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's wow. 18 now. Oh, my goodness. His 18th birthday. Yeah. But um, Detlef is great and uh, Tanya... Tanya came from a different side of the business. Tanya was a, uh, was in Hamburg and she was working with the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, a lawyer's company first. She was with a legal company. Mm-hmm. And then she went to a publishing company. And then she went into the record company. And she used to, when she was with EMI, she was the um, the radio promotion, radio and TV promotion mm. for Robert yeah, Palmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Robbie Williams yeah. and people like this. She, you know, like uh, yeah. she was on the international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. And then the the two of you obviously just got on very, very well together. Well, what happened was that uh, uh, Ralph Siegel, yes, who managed, uh, who was the producer and manager of um, Nicole, yes, Ambition Freedom, yeah, yeah, took uh, headhunted um, Tanya to look after Nicole for seven years. She looked oh, after her. okay. And I was working. Um, I got pretty pissed in one one day in the studio <laughs> with Ralph he was playing the new sing, uh, Nicole song and I ended up jamming on it All right, you know like sort of letting yeah, it and yeah, he yeah. said can we use this and I said yeah so I ended up having to do promotion of that song mm-hmm. with Lynn. and then Linda was working on it we became uh, not Linda uh, Tanya was working yeah. on it and um, then uh, we became friends and then John retired yes from, yeah. from, the, from, the, from the business and this sort of thing and um, and I recorded at the same time that John stopped. I recorded an album called Irish Man in America. Mm-hmm. No, The Irish Connection. Okay. And it was the first, you know, like sort of, I wasn't signed to a label. So uh, it was a guy, a promoter in Denmark, who put up the money for it and said, you take this percentage, I'll take this, and we'll mm-hmm. get the company to take yeah, that yeah, percentage. Yeah. And we needed to sell, uh, it was all traditional Irish, whiskey in the jar, Molly Malone. Mm-hmm. And we needed to uh, sell 12,000 records to cover the cost of the, mm. of the album mm-hmm. and the little video we did. Yeah. And uh, of course, like sort of, I played it to Dave Pennyfeather mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Dave said, you wouldn't release that in Ireland, that's an embarrassment. Like sort of, this is, you can't, you know, like sort of the, the usual thing that I get. Yeah, 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 yeah. The song, the album went to number one in Norway, was number one for six weeks, went double platinum, went double platinum in Denmark, went to number one in Sweden and completely reinvented me from a touring point of view in yes. Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't listen to Reckon Company. No, no, no. They no, don't know no. what they're talking about most of the time. But anyway, the thing is uh, that then I ended up um, starting to produce and, you know, like mm-hmm. sort of work with mm-hmm. producers. Right. That one I produced myself. But and Tanya is involved then at this That's stage That's when Tanya well. started. I couldn't get, I, I worked with one or two managers for a couple of months and they were awful. Yeah. They were dreadful. Yeah, yeah. And you know me long enough. It's mm. very important that I have a personal relationship. Yeah. With I mean, Louis and myself were fa- friends, mm. still are mm. to this day. I mean, I was in touch with him only a few days ago. Just sent him a happy New Year's, mm-hmm. thing, you know, a couple of jokes, just to make sure that he still <laughs> remembers who I am. <laughs> oh, he but, remembers. He, <laughs> he's a, a memory like a bloody elephant, that fella. Uh, this is, well, you know, um, I was with Louis for 17, 18 yeah. years. And that's the kind of relationships that I have with mm-hmm. They last for a long time. And then uh, with Tanya wasn't management. Tanya was record company. Yeah. But I was lucky enough to have a wonderful accountants company down in, in Limerick. Yes. And they work with management companies. They're mm-hmm. a business advice company as well. Mm-hmm. And they worked with Lynn, with Tanya and got her through the contract phase and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing and helped her on the down that line. And now she's she's amazing. She's, she's an incredible brilliant. manager. But she's also a really nice person. She's a, I like her very much. And I love the fact that she loves animals. Loves animals. She loves no. that's just, loves them more than me. This uh, is one particular one. She loves... I mean, if I see another picture of a group of puppies because <laughs> Baloo, her dog, is now 14. And like sort of this, every time we sit down together, like sort of this, we're having a meeting. Mm. Somewhere during the meeting, there's a pic, there's a video of puppies yeah. come up, you know. That, that's the way we are. I mean, well, it, uh, I, you know, I reckon that keeps her sane because she deals in a very difficult world when she's looking after your promotions and your bookings and things. And then she comes home to Baloo. But listen, Baloo sleeps with you. Yeah, I know. This, I know. And I swore that would never happen when I'm in... When I'm in <coughs> when I'm in Munich, you had to explain that Baloo is a small little small <laughs> a cross between a Lazar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black, He's gorgeous. Black ears and um, 
But he's a real character. He has been since the time he was a puppy. Yeah. He came with the name Baloo. And he used to sleep on... I'm at a size 44 shoe and he, I had a pair of brown Ed Hardys. And he used to sleep on them. No. That was his, that was his bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was given other beds, but he liked my shoes. Mm. And one day, he had a backward sneeze, this kind of... That, and I, yeah, it, it, I didn't it, it, know what was wrong with him. And he came into the room that I was sleeping in and I felt very sorry for him. And I said, I'll put him on the end of the bed. And about an hour later, I woke up and he was <laughs> sleeping on my knee. And about an hour later, his head was on my chest. And then mm. uh, when I woke up and about another hour later... The two of us, the heads were on the yeah, pillow. I yeah, just yeah. heard Tanya laugh and she'd open the door and seen the two of us were fast asleep yeah. together. And since then, he's just had me around his little finger. I mean, we've done TV shows together. Yeah. Do you know that we did um, we did the Carmen Nabel, which is a very big TV show in, in Germany. Right. This was even when it was before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm known by a lot of the people, the backstage people, uh, you know, the, the production people in Germany for being really proud about being Irish. And mm-hmm. sort of, this is, I was, yeah, singing yeah, Galway, yeah. I was singing Galway Girl on this show. And I was doing an interview with Carmen and it's watched by millions of people. Mm. And they were trying to make, they were trying to do a candid camera, you know, like I didn't know they were filming. Right. And and so when the girls, the dancers, that first of all, I don't like, you know, dancers doing the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not, you know, like sort of proper Irish dancing, yes. but American stage dancing when mm-hmm. you're singing something like, oh my God, I don't like that. So they put that out and they had girls with white T-shirts with proud to be British written on the front of them. And uh, they thought this would get me and did mm-hmm. And they had an English flag flying behind mm-hmm. me. And I kept looking around going, and just laughing with the band. And then uh, then they put on the uh, uh, Steve Earle version, the backing track, Steve Earle backing track, which is lower than the ver- yeah, version that I've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, so I was singing it and I was what's wrong with this track? You know, like I said, and I was singing along with it. But they filmed all of this thinking that they would make me lose and they mm-hmm. couldn't do it. And eventually they had uh, fog coming on the stage and right. a woman coming out cleaning the floor <laughs> while I was trying to do the rehearsal. And none of it, none of it fazed me. I just kept going laughing about it. So they, they decided and unknown to me and they got Tanya involved. And I don't know whether I ever told you this. Just I was doing an interview with Carmen, and it was we were sitting up on the stage, and there was thousands of people in the mm. the auditorium where we were doing it. And next thing, in the middle of it, Baloo shoots up through the audience, jumps up straight through the audience, straight up and jumps on my leg ah, and sits him. on my leg, and he's looking at me and looking at the audience. And I knew he was frightened, and but I also didn't I didn't know. Carmen is afraid of dogs. Oh God! And uh, she had <clears throat> a, a version, a big long sausage. You know, like sort of about a foot long. Yeah, sausage, yeah, yeah. Um, to feed him, and it was hidden behind her chair, and <coughs> of course, she to make friends with him, took the sausage and gave it to him. But the whole sausage. Oh God! And I thought he's going to choke, so he had one end of it in his mouth, and this is all live on TV, and I took the other end and put it in my mouth. <laughs> And Baloo just stopped eating and looked at me and went like, so, Sean, what are you, this is my sausage. Yeah, what are you? exactly. And exactly. I, I was just laughing so much. I eventually broke it up for him and this sort of thing. But um, This definitely wasn't an adult no, TV show you no, were making. No, no this no, definitely no, was no, not no, an adult no, TV okay. show. But I, I got up and I went off and sang the song. Tanya came up and told me, said, she told me, she apologised afterwards because, you know, they, they had asked her to do this or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were just yeah. trying to get me to lose it. I didn't. Yeah. Thankfully, because I, I love I love the little fella. You I know, know. He's, gorgeous. No, he's gorgeous. I only ever see photographs of him, obviously. Yeah, but the funniest thing was on the way back to Munich, where I think, I can't remember where we were filming that, but on the way back to Munich, we stopped to get petrol Yeah. Uh, in a tank, in a, in a garage. And uh, 
I hopped out of the car to get a cup of coffee and Baloo hopped out beside me. Two guys came out of the garage and they went, oh, there's Baloo. And then they said, oh, there's Johnny Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were second. Got, you were second billing been, at that that's point. that's been consistently happening since yeah, then. Yeah, that's know? all right. I do have three sons in Ireland as well. Oh, you know? sure, I know that's that. Just, no, you see... I anim- should mention them, you know. Animals then... Very much. Animals came into your life, um, recent of recent years, with the masked singer. Oh, God. That's just... This. And you wear a deer. <coughs> a reindeer called... Um, well, it was a red deer. It was called Edelhurt. Oh, and okay. it was the most intricate costume because, you know, I was an international artist and right. they normally use just, you know, local artists, okay. you know, artists yeah. from the country. So they went to, they spent a fortune on the costume. But um, the head of the reindeer, the antlers, were so high and so uh, heavy, the head was so heavy that it kept falling forward. All right. And there was a rope around the neck. Oh, God. And it was choking me all the time. Okay. Um... And the first show we did where I sang um, Adele's uh, uh, Rolling in the Deep, mm-hmm. I was choking all the way through it. Um, but we did it, I did a deal with them. And I said, look, I'll do, um, I'm not going to do one show. You know, look, it's, we're in COVID, we're still in COVID. Mm-hmm. Here's my fee. I want to be paid this and I'll do, um, I will stay for at least four shows, four to five shows. Right, okay. By the time it came to the fourth show, I wanted out. Oh, uh, because the costume, I'd already trapped a nerve in my neck, trapped one in my back. Oh. Because the only way they could get the helmet to stay, the head to stay on yeah. was to do put a body brace on. And uh, they had to tighten it so much to stop the head moving. Yes, it attached yes. To the head. Also, it meant that I had to put on the costume, the head and everything, an hour and 20 minutes before the show, and everybody else was five, ten minutes. Oh, sugar. So I was dripping with sweat, and they had a straw underneath it. There was a little net, and the vocals were live. I had to sing live with it on. And um, to cut a long story short, uh, I I thought, if I don't stop this, I'm going to suffer for this for for, for years to come. Yeah. So um, the people were lovely. I loved the the people and yeah, the people yeah, yeah. in the costumes, mm. the people in the production company, the choreographer, mm-hmm. everything. They were trying to get me to do these TikTok moves, you know, this kind of thing where you mm. with the hand yeah, and all yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Now, me and social media, just I'm you know like I I'm useless, absolutely useless. Um, I did my best. Um, and did you and did you bail out then after? After the, four, you yeah, I just to. told them I had to go. Yeah, you had it. to. This is and um, yeah. But the thing is. Uh, but I, I loved working with the people. And yeah, they had yeah. a thing. They had a thing behind the mask, uh, kind of a um, not not a podcast, but a kind of a a, t- a second TV show, which yeah. was an online TV okay. show, which showed about and that showed the problems that I had with the mask on and all yeah. this thing. It was just um, it was claustrophobic for me. I think yeah. it was claustrophobic for everybody, not yeah. just for me, but it was particularly claustrophobic for mm. me because also. You know, like the things you don't think of, like you're not allowed, even if there's a problem, you're not allowed to talk. Okay. Because they can't let anybody who's watching it, the cameraman, anybody know who you are. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a a simple thing, like when I went out, they had a little tunnel I had to come through. One of the dancers pushed me out of the way and I bounced into the side of the tunnel and the mask was down so far that I couldn't see. The eyes were down where the nose should be. Yeah. And I was kind of... But, but, but... The weirdest thing, the character that I played mm-hmm. was the most popular. You, you know, there's a lovely little girl went on to win, Camilla. Um, uh, and she was Miss Puss or something like that. She yeah, was a cat. yeah. But uh, she, she, and she was great. Mm. But um, the character I played was probably the most popular. Okay. And um, 
you know, you win, you know, you're involved in three Eurovision Song Contests. Mm-hmm. And you end up like sort of being known as a reindeer. Sort of <laughs> where I won the second one. And it's, you know, but what it did do, it's a bit like the McDonald's ads that I did yeah. over here years ago. They kind of reinvented me for a whole new generation. Yes, you see, that's the thing. Yeah, because Louis probably was the same with you. This is Louis Walter we're talking about. Right through the years, he used to say to me, just say yes. Yeah, no, yes, this, just I, say I, yes. I, I, I'm 69 and years old, so I just sort of, I like sort of, yes, I know, yes, but like sort of, like sort of, this comes with like sort of <laughs> with with uh, restrictions, you know. Yeah, 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 but it, I mean, it works. Okay, so you say yes, and then you may not be able to do what they wanted you to do, but at least you've tried. Yeah, and absolutely. as you say, every stage gives you a different well, aspect, and a, people see a different type of you. This goes back to what we talked about earlier on, that when you. When we went, you know, you did what you had to do. Yes. You worked with Tony Hatch and like sort of on this TV series. And yeah. you were doing the choir and all this mm. thing. From being in a show band and the front lady. Mm. And then you had to go back to doing this again. Yeah. And then you became, Lynn, you know, like you were always Linda Martin, but you became Linda Martin, the solo artist and this sort of thing. But do you know something? Do you know it was wonderful? <laughs> um, do you, rem- you remember Bishop Casey, of course? Okay, yeah, like so, yeah. yeah. Well, we took Wear him a off. Condom just in case. We we, yeah. we, <laughs> <laughs> we took him off the front page on the way home. Do you remember that? Well, I I can't tell. Did we? That's yeah, we did. Oh, the, all the newspapers. I'm sure he was delighted. There, actually, he was thrilled. Like, there was a Bruce Springsteen concert or something on. And that wasn't Bruce Springsteen, but there was a concert on, and all the kids were wearing T-shirts. Were wearing wear, wear a condom just in case. He, oh, jeez! Forgive me, yeah. sins for I have fathered. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. And then it got better because um, there was a, another person who had um, a child, another priest who had a child. But Louis Walsh wanted to manage one of these children. You say, um, I can't remember what the name was. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But, Excuse me. And, and he had it all planned out. You know what he's like? So he said, right, I want to manage this young guy. He's good looking. And my first choice of song for him is Son of a Preacher Man. <laughs> and they wouldn't... That, that doesn't sound a bit like Louis. They, would, they wouldn't go with it anyway. So that little you know, opportunity... That was the thing went, about Louis, though. That people don't, you know, like could have... You know, because I know success in, in when you're successful and you come out of Ireland, like it's great for a while, but mm. then, then people want to knock you as quickly. Yes. There's a certain yes. part of our character that does that. Uh, one of the things that Louis never got credit for, Louis's a great songsmith. He was a mm. great person. Oh, yeah. He had a great ear. I remember that when back in the snow and I was driving Vincent, my sister-in-law's um, ex-husband's ex- mm-hmm. car, and I'm doing cabaret gigs. And I was I remember, like sort of, what was it to Rhine, I was singing Rhinestone Cowboy oh, and yeah. Solitaire yeah, yeah. in those days, and and I remember um, Louis wanted me to sing a song that was by the Osmonds, "Love Me for a Reason." Yeah, and, and look you what know, happened. And I didn't, I didn't like the Osmonds, so I didn't. But I thought, like, sort of, you know, years later, I saw the hit that they had, boys the, the boys own had. Yes, and I thought, like, sort of, fair play, Louis never let go of the idea. He still has it. He was always into Dusty Springfield yes. and all of this. Yes. Like, sort of, he had a great ear. Still, probably has, you know. Yeah. So what's the rest of him's not great, but the ears okay. The, the ears are the ears are still magic. And okay. if he was here now, God, he'd destroy both of us. Oh, he really would. He'd take us apart. Never go. I'm, 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 I can be a bit bitchy myself sometimes. Oh, if, um, <laughs> what are you doing now? I know you told me you're going to take a couple of weeks off for. Various I'm reasons. Taking, well, Mick, as you know, passed yes, away. Like, yes. Um, in the end of November, there, like sort of, we buried him the end of November and uh, said goodbye to him. And I worked all the way through. Yeah. Uh, uh, December and. Um, so Mick, now this is your grieving time, <coughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Well, it's not. 
I'm I'm finding it very hard because um, you know um, I've held it back. I've known that you know because Mick hasn't been well for a while. I I loved Mick, you know, like sort of so so much, and um, and we were so so close that I find it very hard. I'm still calling him. Still, you know, sort of when there's something happens, I want to, you know, mm-hmm. contact him and tell him. And I know mm-hmm. what a lot of people will understand. That, yeah, sympathise with that. But I think uh, I don't think I will ever, ever get over losing Mick. Mm. And I'm just at the moment, it's more trying to find a way to cry it out, uh, to take the moments that I that mm. I can. To, but I've stopped it for a month, and it's mm-hmm. difficult. You know, mm-hmm. it comes. It, it wells up and Absolutely. it comes out. Absolutely. And everybody deals with grief in so many different ways. Like, <laughs> yeah. See, there's no formula. Yeah. You just have to do, I, deal I with it. I don't want to live without him. I think, yeah. like, sort of, they think um, I want him to be in me and yeah. part of me for the rest of my life. Mm. So, are you going back to work maybe February? February. Have you... I have a TV show to do in uh, Switzerland in February and I have uh, at least three concerts. I'm booked out till 2025 with concerts. Um, you know, like, I have shows all over Europe. I have... Um, uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, one of the things mm-hmm. about winning the Eurovision three times in the time when I won it yeah. and this sort of thing is that every time the Eurovision comes around and, you know, like sort of we're we're available for work, yeah. people are looking for people that, that people can associate the Eurovision. Yeah. But in my case, I've also been lucky enough to establish my, my everywhere I work in Scandinavia now, I work with guys like Robert Wells. Yeah. Who's the most amazing musician. And, and I worked with, uh, last year I started gigging with um the Night of the Proms Orchestra doing mm. music, the John Miles songs. Mm-hmm. And bit by bit, uh, orchestras have opened up all over Europe. I'm just singing with these. But also I work with uh, the new Beast Band in Belgium and in mm-hmm. Holland. And um, I, I, I don't know how to say this without it sounding egotistical, and I don't mean it that this way. I'm really, really good at what I do now. I know that. And I think that the thing is that it's uh, I'm better than most of the people that are around. Mm-hmm. And as such, um, I'm in demand. Mm-hmm. And uh, when people get me, they're grateful to have me. Yeah. And whereas before they used to book me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's, no, it's no I get all that because I've seen you in action yeah, too is, many times. Is. And I and hate I, and you I sing, because you're I, so good. And I sing, and I sing, <laughs> and I sing too. Okay. I'm only joking. <laughs> um, uh, you know what's just flashed into my mind? Don't, don't, oh Jesus! No, nothing like don't, that. Don't don't follow that. <laughs> you coming down the steps of, of the plane after what's another year, and there's Louis Walsh and Shay Healy and Jim Hand and all the all these other people that we've lost. And that moment, you said earlier on that um, it was always the band I was in chips, and then there was you down the skate. And I remember that moment, and I thought, well, I don't know what he's talking about now because we'll be following his shirt tails for a long, long time. <laughs> but that moment. When you cut out down the steps and the crowds were there to welcome you, yeah. that must have been incredible. It, it was, it's it, I, after each one of them. I mean, even when we came back, with yes. you were kind enough to come to Ashburn in '92, and you? all the people were in the field and this sort of thing. It's just those memories stay with you forever. They do, and that people can nobody can ever take that away from no. you, one of us. But the thing is that uh, the Eurovisions were wonderful, and I'm still grateful that they're part of my life, mm. a huge part of my life. But there's an awful lot of other, you know, like I, I over the years, have played, built a band in 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 uh, Denmark, particularly yeah. Denmark is where my 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 resident band is. Okay, and um, they're amazing. They're mm. not just good; they're like family to me. And yeah. Whenever I come to work in Ireland, I work with uh, Eugene McCarthy. Oh yeah. And Maeve and Aileen and all yeah. the guys and and um, and Carl and all the others mm-hmm. that are in that, and I love working with them. I I I there's a standard of musician. 
that I have now. And I start finally understand what Cliff Richard used to say. Cliff Richard used to say, you know, some of the people asked him, what was the, the, the secret of so long having the longevity of mm-hmm. success? And he said, always surround yourself with the best. Yeah. And that's, it took me a lifetime to realise mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think uh, Shay said to me after 87, he says, Sean, you're a great man, like sort of uh, to have gone through these two Eurovisions and all that stuff that happened in 80 mm-hmm. and for it not to affect you. But the reality of it, it really did affect me. Yes. And it was difficult to deal with mentally, phys- you know, even mm-hmm. physically sometimes. And it left me with an awful lot of hang-ups. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people accused me of, in 1980, of um, the world revolving, you know, being the world revolving around me rather than me being part of the world mm. and whatever. But the thing was, I wasn't given. I look. I can, looking back now mm-hmm. as a twenty-five-year-old boy, young man, I realised that I, I had no chance, because all all that surrounded me were the problems that I had. Yeah. And you know, like sort of, and I was having to deal with them because the people around me weren't dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, even when it came to the the follow-up record to yes. another year, mm-hmm. it was eventually me that got 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 into the studio. I, rem- I, I had to go it. to Morris Oberstein. I remember it. Morris Oberstein was up in his office, the managing mm-hmm. director of Sony, and um, I was having a meeting with Muff Winwood and mm-hmm. uh, Nicky Graham mm-hmm. in the A um, and R department. And I left the meeting on the pretense I was going to the toilet. And I went up to Obi's office. And Obi said, come on, I'm going down. And Obi went down, took the diary in front of the two of them and went, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. He's recording then. Right. That's how it got recorded. It was mm. that bad. You know, but it's uh, this, I mean, from my point of view, my management didn't do anything no. to put it forward. And it's... Uh, but you see, without knocking anybody, I totally get that. They wouldn't have known what to do. No, and that, that's you know, the problem. I don't blame them for that, but what I do blame them for, even to this day is for not giving me to Steve Anderson yes. or to somebody who yes. did know what they were doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and trying to hold on to it. I didn't, mm. that, uh, and that was a, that was a problem I had through, throughout most of the eighties. But looking back now, I'm in a situation where like sort of, I'm, I'm okay financially. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I have a, a wonderful family. I have a wonderful uh, mm-hmm. life that I have. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, and uh, I'm surrounded by wonderful musicians. I still have the friends like yourself that mm-hmm. I had in the, in the eighties, mm-hmm. Maxi. You know, like sort mm-hmm. of, we're still in touch with each other, and um, the little things that uh, when I was younger that I took for granted are now very important to me, mm-hmm. like friendship, like like. Uh, tell me anim- something. Like animals, you know. Yeah, tell me something for for our listeners and our viewers, of course, um, that they won't know about Johnny Logan. They won't know about me. Um, well, I was probably the worst electrician to ever come out of the room. <laughs> That's probably... This is, this is, so Sparks was, was never was, your oh, middle no, name. No, no, I, I, was, I was dreadful. I was, I was suspended from... Uh, I went to Kevin Street and I was suspended for, for three months by Pearl Electric for getting engaged, taking two days off to get engaged. No way. I was kicked off a building site in Arbor Hill Prison because my language was too colourful. I was oh, singing Danny Boy and things like this, yeah. but I was putting in expletives in between. Yeah, everybody. yeah, yeah. So these are all secrets now, <laughs> listen, listen, listeners and viewers. I think um, if there is a secret, and any, any secret um, that I would have, I think most of my life is a, is an is an open book. I think... Um, maybe you're too open. Do you know that, maybe Johnny? Some, maybe sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I remember uh, Chris Morrison saying, that the, the CMO who looked after uh, Blur and people like that, yeah. saying to me, he said, when, when people give you an answer, don't always give the honest answer. Just yes. And don't give them too much information. Fabricate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was never able to do that, you know. No, you just go for it. I, just, I know like, that. Sort of, I just open I my know. mouth and it piles out, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I wish I could say it doesn't, but it does, you know. 
Right. You're 16 years of age. You're in your dad's pub. Possibly it's still at that time. You're going to be an electrician. What would you do different and what would you tell yourself at that stage if you could? Uh, I'm not sure, like, sort of this... What would I tell myself at 16? Don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Yeah, okay, um, I get that. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Um, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Because you can live with your with decisions when they're your decisions and they're wrong. But you can't live with other people's decisions yeah. when they're wrong. And that's yeah. what I had to do for many years. Yeah. Um, faith in yourself. Um, I was always a very loyal person. I was always, you know, I'd, I know I've always that. Been I know that. Care, close to people that I stayed with for for a lifetime. Yes. So I don't, yes. I don't have overnight friends. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think, be yourself. Hmm. For years, I tried to be Johnny Logan, and I think when my mother died, um, I came. We went. Mick and myself were over saying goodbye to her in Australia. And we came back and we went straight into a tour in with a Rosanna band in Sweden. Yeah. And we did 29 shows in 31 days, two-hour concerts mm. in churches and things like this. And um, I hadn't sung You Raise Me Up because, you know, I was the original singer. Yes, I know I that. the original person that did that. I hadn't sung it because I felt very hurt about, mm -hmm. you know, never being given, not about not being the original, you know, mm -hmm. the first person that the record was put out with, but not getting the credit for what I did. I yes. felt very hurt about that. So um, I didn't sing it and refused to. And when I had the album with uh, the number one album all over Scandinavia uh -huh. with, with the Irish Connection, a secret garden asked me to go on tour of China with them. And I said, yeah. no, I'm number one now. Like, no, go away. Cause, and Which was stupid, I suppose, but it was just I was hurt. But the thing is, I think... Um, uh, oh, I lost my train when I started thinking about that. And yeah. I thought, the, um, well, there's a, the, obviously, it's not something that you dwell on because... All of us make mistakes <laughs> as we go through yeah, life. Yeah, I think I think though that it was the thing was that um, when I did the thing with Rosanna, that was the thing in Sweden. Mm -hmm. In Sweden, the um, the dates in, um we played a lot of churches, and that the reason I was explaining, I started singing "You Raise Me Up." Yes. I sang it for my mother mm -hmm. on every show, and um, I, I couldn't ignore the fact that my mother had passed away. Mm -hmm. So, but I didn't want to make it. A depressing thing or down so I told funny stories about mm -hmm. my mother thing, like sort of you know I just said goodbye to my mother And but every for every show which is the thing I do I pray yeah this is, I'm not a, I wouldn't be the most religious person in mm -hmm. the world but I do believe you know I do pray and I do speak to my mm -hmm. father and I like to like sort of and Mick now yeah yeah and yeah. my younger brother Raymond and all these mm -hmm. people before I sing mm -hmm. every time and I bring them on stage with me right and I think that um, uh, when I did those shows Something happened. Uh, I stopped. I talked to them about by talking to them about my mother and about about something that was really honest. People saw me. Mm. They didn't see Johnny, Johnny Logan. Logan. They saw me. Yes. And we were selling CDs um, at the gig. Mm -hmm. I wasn't. There was a the, the management company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the company that toured us, and the the album went to number one, number three in the Swedish charts on sales in the churches alone. Wow. And. Um, the uh, everywhere we went, it was totally sold out because yes. word and mouth yes, filled out. Yeah, and because everybody <coughs> can associate with it because we've all lost people that are very I, close yeah, to and us. I, but I think it was not, but it, it wasn't even just talking about my mother. It was the fun. Like my mother always had false teeth. Nobody ever, <laughs> we never saw them. 
We I never, never saw. I never, no, we never saw. But people from that generation, like sort of, and but we never saw. My mother used to just appear in the morning with them in, and she got to bed, and they'd be. We yeah. ne- never saw them. Um, and then, but obviously, my mother and father, you know, knew each. Yeah, sort yeah, of knew yeah, that yeah, about. yeah, yeah. And my father used to wind my mother up because he was a dairy man, and she mm. was Kilkenny, and she was fiery. My mother, yeah, fiery. He used to say to her, like sort of, you know. You came over, your people came over with the pirates from Spain. The only reason you married me was to get some blue blood. And my mother would, like, that's it, I've had enough. And, you know, she'd grit her teeth and she said, that's it, I'm leaving you. And my dad would turn with a laughter and said, well, give me back the teeth. I paid for the teeth, give me the teeth. <laughs> I just was going to strangle him. And, yeah, I know, but that, you know, like, sort of, that yeah. was the kind of thing I talked about. And sort yeah. of this, not about her dying, mm. about her living, I talked yeah. about. And how funny she was. Um, and I think, uh, Somewhere in that, I came out, and I think if I was to give that advice to a sixteen-year-old me, it was it would be be yourself. Yeah, be yourself. Don't try mm-hmm. to be. No matter, you know. I remember Tommy uh, Tommy Hayden once saying to me, "You should mention the famous people that you met and all this sort of thing when you're you know when you're on stage." And I and I I, I did it once or twice, and then really I was embarrassed doing it. Yeah, and because that wasn't me. No, and it's uh, you know so this is um, and to be honest. Probably the most famous person I met was probably one of the most embarrassing moments. I was in a studio in London in the uh, near Shepherd's Bush. I was working with Chris Neal at the time. Mm-hmm. And in those days, we didn't have mobile phones. That's right. You know, they were only, mm-hmm. they were new. Maybe Louis probably had one. Uh, yeah. Louis had the first of everything that came out. But um, uh, there was a phone on the wall in the games room mm-hmm. where everybody went to relax between yeah. takes. And uh, like I said, if I, I was on the phone to Ailish, and I said, I called to just check in, see how things are going or whatever. Next thing I heard this voice behind me saying, um, You're going to be long. And I turned around, Paul McCartney was standing behind me saying, no. what this is. And he says, uh, And he was asking me, Am I going to be long? Because it was the only phone in the room. Wow. And uh, of course, what did I do? In full voice, said to Hailish, Guess who's behind me? Guess who's standing behind me? <laughs> no, the, the thing that you think you'd never do. Yeah, you and I looked did. around and he was laughing at me. And yeah, I said, I'm I went, sure he oh. was. I'm sure he was. Did, did, you cross, like very... did you cross paths with him ever again? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, this wow. is, yeah. And uh, you know who was a, a lovely, you know, like a, this, just, and I'm not name dropping. Well, I probably am, but I don't mean. Cliff Richard was lovely. Yeah. Really lovely. You've probably met him yourself, and you know, he's a lovely human being, lovely person. I find most people are nice. If yeah. you get away from the public persona, yeah. I remember that when we did the what do you call it, um, thoughtful, thoughtful. Yeah. When we were doing, I was doing the uh, live at Her Majesty's Her Majesty uh, request or the performance, and you had yes. to be invited by the royal family. You had right. an official document mm-hmm. by the royal family to come and do this, and I was in the. It was in the. Um, oh, the the, the big theatre in Dublin or in in London. Albert Hall. The, no, no, not the the theatre just near the, uh, the Carnaby Road. Oh. Have any one of them, Jay's. It's, it's, it's the famous one. It's come into my head. Um, but um, I remember, like, you were told to bow to the Queen yeah. first and then mm-hmm. bow to the audience and yes, whatever. Yes, and then yes. afterwards, when I met the Queen, you were told not to talk to her, that she had to speak to you. And when you spoke back to her, address her as ma'am. You had all these kind of yeah, things yeah, that you yeah. had to do. And you didn't but stick to one of them. I, I, I did actually behave because I, I felt I was representing Ireland. So okay. I really wanted to do make the people home proud. proud. But... Uh, I remember, um, you know, the way when you leave a stage, like, you know, like a, a big mm-hmm. theatre stage. The Palladium. When, you know, the Palladium. Um, yeah, Palladium, that was it, yeah. Thank you. And um, when you leave the stage on the side, suddenly you walk off from the, all the lights into pitch black. That's right. And I just heard this Northern English version saying, like, saying to me, hey man, that was, that was great. And it was Joe Cocker. Ah. 
Ah. And I sort of, this is, oh, I, and yeah. I'd grown up with Joe Cocker. Yeah, sort of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. My friends and all this sort of thing. And it's just, you know, in general, all of the people that I've met, the famous people, Tom Jones, all of these people, mm-hmm. they're very lovely. Yes. And they're an example. Yeah. People like myself and to another generation. Mm-hmm. That are coming. If you really want to know what it's like to be great and why they're great, it's because they still have their feet where yeah, they came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they they probably all went through that that uh, phase of, uh, oh, I'm oh sure. well, cock of the walk, you know, I know everything and dismissing people. But you learn, you learn and you value your friends. I mean, when you think about it, I live in my house because of your sister-in-law. That's what, oh, she found You know. Marion. Yeah, Marion, <laughs> you know. And for, peop- his, yeah. for people who don't know that. Uh, um, <coughs> Marion used to work with Paul Grimes. Johnny had, t- <coughs> he died a couple of years <coughs> ago, yes, very right, sadly. Yeah. But, um, I was at the funeral. Johnny's sister-in-law was was Marion Cullen, and she worked for Paul Grimes' estate agent. She still and, is Marion Cullen. Thinking, oh, she still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, she knew I wanted to move out of an apartment in Dublin because I'd started to gather up dogs and things like that. And she says, "Linda, I'm going to tell you about this place. It's not in the market yet." So I went out I with didn't Carol. She told you she gave yeah, you a heads up. Yeah, she did. So I went out on this is the God's honest truth. I went out on the Monday night with Carol, and the guy who owned it needed to get out quick. Yeah. And he produced a bottle. I don't know what the bottle was, but anyway, we started to have a few little drinkies. Yeah. And by Wednesday, I owned it. <laughs> and it's lovely. I've been up there and I said, and it's, it, it's you. I know that. Every time I go in there, like I said, that I've been in there, it's it's definitely you. Yeah, but normal people <coughs> take a few days to think about it. But if drink hadn't been involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it would never have happened. But it's thanks to Marion and it's thanks it's to you, because if you were Marion's brother-in-law, well, then sure, it wouldn't yeah, have happened. Well, it's the, the world is like that, though. Yeah. You know, like sort of if, if Louis wasn't around, we wouldn't, you know, like I'd be Correct. close friends. Correct. Know? And he's sitting yeah. sun in his backside in Miami as we yeah, speak. Yeah, he sent me a text saying, I'm yeah. in Miami, the weather's lovely, he said. What you wanted to say was, would you ever fuck off? I yeah, you I know. All I enjoy it, Louis. You know. Yeah, enjoy it. the the escapades we went through over the years. But but, but great, you know. I've you know, great Louis and myself like laughed so much. I'm sure, like this, and he he mm-hmm. was, you know, a devil, he, a devil, yeah, a devil. But like sort of a very lovable devil. Yes, and you know, his whole family. I remember his mum and dad and sort yeah. of this all down in Kilchimach. Yeah, you know, they're still there. Yeah, they're all still there, and his mummy's still alive. Yeah, this is, and that's and um, you know, like this. I think. All of those things, you, all of the people from that particular, Carol Hannah, all yeah, of this, yeah, 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 they yeah. all sort of were part of mm-hmm. who we became. Yeah. And they're it's all true. still part it's of It's true. That, you know, like sort of Absolutely. I mean, Carol and myself, Carol came to the gig, uh, the one I did in Vicar Street, the yes. last one. Yeah. And had a, I, I ended up, I, I did What's Another Year, and I, I Fanon, Fanon uh, Healy, Shay's son. Yeah, yeah, come, yeah. And he'd brought some friends. And I, it's, it's like the kind of thing that you don't expect. Um, Carol said sing What's Another Year for me so I started introducing What's Another Year and I started introducing and saying this is for Carol yeah, yeah, yeah. And, on, and and I could feel myself welling up and I just went and I just yeah. and like sort of I said you know like sort of mm. and I suddenly just said turned to a huge and he said begin it start yeah, man just you know, start start because once I'm singing I'm okay yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it now when are you writing the duet for you and me to go back to Eurovision <laughs> I'd be I'm, a very wealthy woman oh, if if I'd money for every time I'm asked that. No, and I'm being honest with you. It's, it's it's you know the thing is I get asked all the time when I'm taking part in it again. I don't think it's for me anymore. The thing is that the Eurovision Song Contest as it is now. Um, what I love doing is you know the one that we did together at once the one in uh, Amsterdam. Yes. In the yes. Ziggadome. I've done yeah. that quite a few times. Now. Yeah. And the last time, um, 
Mick had just passed, and yeah. I was doing it in, uh, and Ryland Clark. Yeah, yeah. Was backstage. Okay. And what a lovable person. He's I, lovely, I never, isn't he? I never thought that I'd f- f- yeah. instantly like someone yeah, he's that lovely. much again. You know, like sort of uh, uh, from a presenting point of view. But he's a very, very lovable person. Really kind. And um, gave me a big hug and a kiss mm. after the thing was finished. And I think that'll probably be on, you know, if, they, if it wasn't on New Year's Eve or New Year's... Yeah, we'll see it soon. You'll see we it will. soon. It'll we be shown. We'll see it soon. But that's... And, and I meet Eurovision people at that mm. show... Like uh, who was that? The Bobby Socks. Hannah oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannah and Lisbeth were there. Yes. And Conchita, you know, Conchita yes. was there. And and the next time that I met Conchita mm. uh, was this just there in December. Yeah. November, December, and uh, it was lovely. Absolutely. Lovely, really nice person. I and agree. With is, you. And uh, that's the first time we had a chat. And it was only just in the lift the two of us. We just like gave each other a hug and, um, in general. You know, the, the, it's a club we're in, Linda, yeah, I and know it's that. like sort of this when you meet people. Mm. You know, this is, and you know, like because you know, like you meet Brotherhood of Man, you meet yeah. like sort of a, you know, a Bucks Fizz, all yeah. of these people, yeah. and they're all from our time and that sort of thing. But every time we meet each other, it's like we have, like we, you know, we only saw each other last week That's or right. whatever. It's true. It's and true. It's no, they're a nice community, and I keep saying like we're the, we're the mothers and fathers, and all the fans of the children. Yeah. And it, but it is a it's a lovely community, and it involves <coughs> all sorts. Doesn't yeah. matter creed, color, profession. It doesn't matter. Everybody. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, this is you know this is and it's 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 something that spread its wings all over the world. And the thing is that you know like I can I find myself some you know in New York mm. walking down a road and somebody saying you Johnny Logan yeah the weirdest one was I was in a uh, I was in Manchester in the uh, London City Airport coming through there and there's a guy working in the off light in the duty yeah, free yeah yeah and uh, he said to me um, uh, he stopped me and said are you Johnny Logan yeah and he was a really young guy and I said yeah he said I recognised your voice when you were talking so what. You tell me this. I, I have a few quick questions to yeah. ask you. Right. Um, you answered the first one a long time ago. Have you shared the bed with your dog? And you have. Yes, I have, yeah. Yes, with more Baloo. than once. It's more a couch these days. Because <laughs> he's he's now fourteen and he he likes his uh, he likes his own beds yeah. and this and that. But he did get me through COVID. I mean like sort of There this, you go. Because a lot of the time when I was in Munich, uh, I'd be in the same house as Tony yeah. or something like that. And uh, you know, Tanya's a very strong person, mm-hmm. so am I. Mm-hmm. Butt heads or whatever. Yeah. And Baloo would just come over and look at me and sort of go like, "I think it's time for a walk. Like, yeah, let's just yeah. let's go out for a walk." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, if you were a dog, what sort of a dog would you like to be? That's a weird one. Um, well, I'd, like to, I'd like to be Baloo because he's so nurtured and fed and well fed, yes. and looked after by Tanya. There's okay, a, okay. He's spoiled rotten. I mean, yeah, he's got he's about five, five beds. Yeah, excellent. Okay. He, his choice of menu, you know. What's one thing about a dog's life that you'd like to have? Like, for instance, napping all day, eating treats, long walks, what? What I'd like to have all day? Being, pe- being snuggled. Yeah, all right. Being snuggled. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. What's the funniest thing Baloo's ever done? Uh, the, uh, the TV show was one the of the TV show, okay. TV show okay. that we talked about. But there's yeah, a, and I hope it doesn't happen for a long time yet. But do you think when Baloo goes to doggy heaven, Tanya is going to replace him? Um, she's not sure, but I, I'm sure she will. Yeah, okay. Um, but I, it's not something that I even, you know, she talks about it sometimes. I can't, you know, even my my family back here and the boys back here, mm-hmm. they all know. You know, like sort of the Baloo has a, has a place in my heart. You know, yes, absolutely, and. On my behalf, if it if it does happen, like I say, not for a long time yet, make her go to a rescue, will you? 
a rescue. Yeah. yeah. This is, and uh, if I can say at this point, like sort of, because I know I know your involvement with animals over the years, like mm. how much they mean to you. I really, really hope that um, people within the you know within the music within our community and the sort of thing mm-hmm. get behind you and help you as well yeah. as other people involved in yeah. to get this dog hub or yeah. whatever is that what you're calling it the dog yeah, the, hub the Dublin dog hub yeah, Dublin yeah, dog yeah. I'm hub. almost there I'm almost there it's because it's just um, I, I think only since really since I got to know Baloo as an adult do I realise how important an animal mm-hmm. is in your life mm. and also that take that when you go and you get an animal it's not something for overnight or for no, next no. week or whatever. It's a life commitment like a child because mm-hmm. they have their own personalities, they mm-hmm. have their own characters and there's so much joy to be found in them mm. and so much company that it's really, really important that like mm-hmm. sort of you know this before you go in. This is not, uh, you know, the way some people have children just yeah. because they think we're married now, we should have children. Should, yes, yes. And we should get a dog because we'd like sort of uh, mm. a dog would be good, you know, and then sort of, but they don't bother looking after no. the dog. I mean, the the amount of money that Tanya spends on Baloo, on medical stuff. Absolutely. And just checking out stuff, like mm-hmm. sort of, even just on, on vet's bills yeah. and stuff like this. Let alone, I mean, she actually has a pram that she pushes Baloo yes, around. when he She doesn't like tired. to walk anymore. I know. You know, especially the... in, in the city centre yeah. when there's too many people. He gets That's in good because he's what, getting the air about. What's so funny is he's just, he sits and he's yeah. glaring, just looking out over the top and, yeah. and then he sees another dog walk by. Yeah, and no, it's, of, brilliant. it's brilliant. And then, but she also has one of these packs, you know, on mm-hmm. the front that you yes. carry him on the front yeah. on her chest. You well, know. he wouldn't be the lightest dog in the world. No, no, this is, that's, she doesn't use that so much yeah. because of that reason. Mm. But the pram, that, that this, I mean, when she goes to the outlet or shopping, yeah. she puts him in the pram Perfect. and carries that, you know. Perfect. Perfect for you now when you get a bit older. Yeah, to sit in the pram. Yeah, she can to get push in the pram. Yeah, that's She can push you around a bit as well. <coughs> I think I've got my sons to whip me. Oh that, that's, lord! Uh, they, they whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, Adam and um, these days between Adam, Fionn, and Jack. Yeah, you know, Jack's turned into the most amazing musician. Yeah, is he still going to be on the road with you? No, no, he doesn't work with me. Fionn, uh, Jack uh, plays with his own bands. Oh, I thought He's he was with... on the road. Permanently. No, 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 he was. He was over. <laughs> he was over in America. They did. Uh, couple of gigs in New York right. and they did Halloween I think in Harlem Okay. five guys from the from the west coast of Ireland white white Irish guys yeah. playing in a black a, a jazz funk club so and um, they, but they decided to dress up and uh, like I said they had to you know put on costumes and Jack has a big long beard That's and right. uh, you know and he um, and he decided to go as Abraham Lincoln so he put a top hat on mm-hmm. shaved off the moustache and shaped the beard and he called me the next day and he says, I think I made a mistake, Dad. I said, why is that? He says, we're flying home today and I look like a terrorist. And I've got terrorist with it. And I took the hat off. Oh, but he's, um, he's, he dwarfs me as a guitar player. He's, 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 uh, I went to watch him in Wigwam last week. Yeah. Uh, they were playing and um, he was playing with his band from, um, uh, he, I can't this the funk, though, the... It's it, it's I can't remember the name of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From there's three brothers. Okay. Uh, ben, Aiden, and Tom, and then there's uh, Sam and um, Sam the bass player and Jack, and they're phenomenal. Like sort of this. I mean, mm. I uh, Jack is as a musician where both myself and Mick should have been. I just I developed into a songwriter right as a musician. Okay. Are they writing songs? Jack writes, but he's uh, I think he's more a session guitar player. Okay. And sort of, okay. I think he will develop. Because mm. he's thirty-one, he's got a long time to go. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But um, he's 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 doing great. And then uh, Fiona's designing computer games oh. for a company in America, mm. and um, 
Adam um, is working for Winko next door. He's mm-hmm. a project manager, okay. it's a cool. European development, and this sort of so thing. So all is good. They're doing. They're all doing great. Yeah. Married to uh, the eldest one, Adam is married to um, Gillian. Yes. Um, O'Dowd, you know, like sort mm-hmm. of Gillian Sherrard now, but from Cabin. And yeah. uh, it's it's great watching them because the sense of humour has transferred, you know, all right, okay. into the, okay. um, the the slagging yeah. the, yeah. the slagging yeah. sense yeah. of humour. Yeah. But they're uh, they gang up on me. Oh, good. Sort of they pick good. on me, you know, sort of six foot two of me, and like sort of I get a slagging about my hair and about uh, the clothes that I wear and everything. That's I'm, all right. It's probably something that I deserve yeah. anyway. You know, I th- I think that's love. I think that's part and parcel of loving. It's love, and it gives them much. great. It gives them uh, great pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you being here today has given me great pleasure. I have. So it's to always say. it's always a pleasure to spend time in your company. Thank you so much for everything. And not Linda. And your friend, your friendship is the bottom line. But thank you for mm. everything else that went around it. No, we we will always be friends, and that's mm. like sort of this. And I, as I said to you before, you won the, you know, like sort of in the Euro, you mm. just take credit for what you did in the Eurovision. And I, I take credit for what I did. You take credit for what you did. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Terry Wogan being paid by the BBC, but he was saying, yes, they're going to win, but don't tell them they're paying my <laughs> wages. And the head of the EBU then was um, Christian Clausen. Yeah. And in the castle that night, he came over, he says, I think you are going to win now. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was going on. Yeah. I just knew. That the song was a real song. Mm. It was a real emotion, real feeling. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't contrived. And I knew... You see, people in general in the, are the same. We all have the same kind of emotions. We mm. love, we hate, we're jealous. We're, yeah. you know, we, we, yeah. we, we grieve, you know. And uh, the thing is that it's... Um, once you touch into that, and uh, with honestly, honestly, mm-hmm. people relate to it. Yeah, they and do. And so they do. That, that will have an effect. I mean... Yeah. And that's the power of a lyric. I mean, yeah. Wimey was also a strong song. Absolutely. But the lyric the was lyrics. also what's all The lyrics are important. You know, what always sticks in me, the sticks in my head was when I was doing the uh, demo of Why Me before I gave it to mm-hmm. you, was the end. We couldn't figure out how to end I remember it. that. And I was thinking about this high note at the end. And yeah. And I just, no, that does, doesn't work. Just whisper, Why just Me? Just whisper, yeah. And yeah. that was, it was, when we look back on it, it, it was worked. perfect. It worked. Perfect, yeah. Yeah. It worked. Thanks so much, Sean. And Johnny. Yeah, you Sean. see, I knew I'd fall into that. Do you see that? <laughs> but anyway, no, listen, I wish you well. I Excuse wish you well with your health, Thank your you. work. Um, get everything rid of this that cough, you're going. Yeah, get rid of it. Uh, listen, get rid of it because yeah. it's a little bit tricky. I know loads of people who have it, but um, we see each other soon. Yeah, absolutely. We, we like we're only we're neighbours here. You I know that. Road I know that. But we need we need to go out. Yeah, that absolutely. Like to say yeah. hi to Ronan for me. Like yeah, this, of course. definitely. Maybe even the cinnamon place. You remember the the cinnamon Indian rest, cinnamon the garden, garden where you yeah. nearly burnt the backside off me What's because you this? told me to eat that spicy curry. Jesus Christ! Yeah, this, I got a problem with. Oh. I, I love really hot. Stuff. Oh Christ! You know, what's, you know what's also great. There's a place on Capel Street, I think, called. Um, uh, it's New Orleans food. It's yeah. Okay, well, we'll do that. We'll do that. But in the meantime, (laughs) safe home, mind yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, love you, darling. Love you. And bye-bye. Bye-bye, Speedy. Speedy. (laughs) Bye-bye, Speedy. Dog Almighty is brought to you by Tesco. So for a happy and healthy pet, shop online or in-store at the Tesco Pet Shop for all your furry friends' needs. If you've been listening, please give the podcast a five-star review and a following. (laughs) 